Welcome to the Weird Works Podcast. I'm Dr. Christy, your host. Join us for conversations about alternative and sometimes controversial healthcare topics. This podcast will provide the evidence that you need in order to make informed decisions about your health, to empower you with the facts that you need to advocate for your health, and to encourage you that there is hope your body heals. Join us from experts from all things weird, as well as the testimonies of people with stories of radical healing who were once told that perhaps their condition was a death sentence, that they would just need to live with it, or that drugs and invasive surgery were the only answer. Let's get into agreement that if there is something natural and non-invasive that could be helpful, that it could be your first option rather than your last resort. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Christy. Thanks for listening. This is the next episode of the Weird Works podcast. And today I have with me Christine Whitmarsh, and she is from her company, Christine Inc. And so I always want to start off by just explaining why I had Christine on here, because I really do think that her story fits right in with our Weird Works, um, just our whole culture here, where we're trying to bring Uh, testimonials and examples of people with radical healing stories who maybe were once told that their circumstances were outside of their control, that maybe they had a condition that they just had to live with it, and then prove medical wrong and rose above. And so Christine is here today, and her story is one, um, I'll tell you a little bit how we met. We were just kind of discussing this, but it's always word of mouth. It's always networking and a circle of close friends. But when I was interviewing Christine to help me write my first book, which is a little dot, dot, dot to come, (laughs) what I was excited to find out was that she really is an advocate for alternative medicine because of her own story of triumph. And her story is one of scoliosis. And of course, me being a chiropractor, I was like, I had no idea. So I got really interested in it. But I thought it was nice because I knew that right away she believed in what we do. So, Christine, tell us a little bit about your healing journey as an introduction. My healing journey. So, you mean like how I, which part of my scoliosis story? (laughs) Yeah, so the very, like, so I just read her book also, which was taking place from when she was 19 and earlier. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, so to her, she's already overcome it and done all these cool things. But when you were going through the, you know, initial diagnosis leading Mm -hmm. up to surgeries and everything, can you just take us back to that time? Yeah, as you know from my book, I'll share with everybody my book, The Power of the Curve, Mm -hmm. appropriately enough, with a spine on the front of the book. I mean, hello. I know, I had to read it. (laughs) I, at the age of 16, was diagnosed with, it was like a 68 degree uh, scoliosis Mm S-curve, and... I was like the stubborn little brat that was like, but I want to graduate in my high school class. I don't want to have surgery yet. And in the course of that, between age 16 and 19, it advanced from 68 degrees of collective curves on the S-curve to 116 degrees. That's major. Yeah, it was major. I mean, the ribs twisted. They still are twisted to a certain degree to the point where I couldn't even stand up for like more than 10 minutes without being in agonizing pain, which sucks because my after-school job was working at a jewelry counter at Sears. Mm-hmm. And I was like, standing was terrible. So yeah, I had the surgery. The surgery was pretty dramatic. They gave me um, one third odds of being okay, one third odds of being paralyzed, one third odds of being uh, what was it? Par- uh, dead. I'm like, I know I'm forgetting an odds here. Yeah. So yeah, so one third odds of being okay and, or quadriplegic or dead. And I just here's a mindset lesson is just because I was 19 and I, I always like I'm the person that has the next goal and the mission and the purpose. Yeah. It like bounced off of me. So they said, you, literally, you have one third chance of being a quadriplegic, one third chance of dying on the table, one third chance of being okay. I said, I'll be fine. 
And that was my mentality. And I really believe that carried me through when I did get paralyzed on the operating table. I did die on the operating table. And then, so I went through all of the odds before coming back and being in the ICU. But I really believe it was that mindset going into the surgery of, I'll be fine. I have things to do. I have a life mission. I have a purpose. I mean, I just was that strong-willed person. Yeah. So. And we talk about that, too. Like, I always ask people, like, where do you think that came from? Is it, like, mind over matter? Is it genetics? Like, it's just you and st- who you were made to be? A strong-willed mother, a Yankee Yankee mother, like, kind of like a farm woman that uh-huh. my mother's very much like that. Yeah. yeah, just, like, everything will be fine. And we just, we're, like, the everything will be fine family. So I, it didn't occur to, like, it was just weird. It, like, didn't occur to me that I wouldn't, like, it was just 0% chance. It didn't occur to me that, there were, that I wouldn't come out of that surgery okay. Like, there was zero visioning on that. There was zero, like, oh, my God, what if I get hurt paralyzed? What if, what if, and is it going to be hard coming back? In fact, I went in to the hospital, like, with all these, like, you know, games and books and whatever, thinking I was going to be bored there, not that I was going to be recovering from major surgery. So I, right. like, really, I could say I was surprised by, you know, I mean, all of 1992 was basically physical therapy and learning to walk again and all that stuff, but I didn't anticipate any of that. Yeah. I'm sure they told me. I'm sure it bounced right off. I'll be fine. I'm going back to college. I'm good. I'm awesome. Right. Well, I think that that mind over matter is important, and we've talked about this um, in the outline of our upcoming mm-hmm. book, too, is, like, yeah where does your conviction come from? And so there is a lot about, you know, do you trust in your body? Do you believe in the power of healing? Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot to all of that, right? Yeah. That and and faith. I mean, I have a strong, you know, background. Mm -hmm. I was a Sunday school teacher and and all that. So I think that played a part in it too. I just felt really protected and cared for and secure and confident. And then just a family, you know, I knew, like, I just had this family, my mom was like a superhero to me. It was just like, I just was like, she'll just kind of solve any problems that come along. Like, it'll just all work out. And she ended up out. busting you out of the hospital, Yeah, she had to break right? me out. Like, yeah, breakout, prison breakout. <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome that you had that strong conviction, but mm-hmm. your journey with scoliosis was real. Like, you, yes. with a hundred and... 16-degree 16. 16 curve, and then I read four inches. One leg is four inches shorter than another. It was, yeah, and then yeah. it all. Yeah, it's so funny. Like, I started, the first diagnosis, it was 68 degrees of curves, and then it went to right. 116. Guess what they corrected it down to? 68. What it started as, your original diagnosis. Without my stubborn, I need to graduate from my high school, in the high school class. Yeah. You could have just had the surgery at 68, but nope. Okay. Oh, well. <laughs> well, and then, so that leads me into the next thing. She talked a little bit already about the power of the curve, which is her memoir. But tell me a little bit about the title of that. That's so funny. A, one of my ghostwriting clients years ago came up with the title. Oh, yeah. So, well, I was still trying to figure out my memoir. I, I mean, I needed to have kind of a collaborator with me on my memoir. It's really hard to write your own life story. Yeah. So any, if you need help writing your book, don't feel bad about it. I needed help with mine. I needed an outside person to get perspective on my life. So while I was still kind of messing around and not realizing that, yeah, one of my clients, I, I think we were like on a business trip. We were at a business convention, and she's just like, you should name your biography The Power of the Curve. And I went, that's amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, hopefully somebody will come up with a title for me, too. Yeah, it'll but come. that's true. Like, professionals yeah. need professional help as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a yep. wellness doctor, but mm-hmm. I have practitioners who take care of me yeah. because it's just too cloudy when you're trying to solve yeah. your own stuff totally. and to see it, right? Yeah. My acupuncturist goes to my chiropractor, so I have a whole self-care. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's a true story. Like, I, I have like a whole self-care universe. And then my massage therapist, she works in the chiropractor office doing massage. Like, it's just like my whole universe is together. It's, it's interconnected, <laughs> but we have to take care of each other. We have yes. to stick with like-minded yep. people as well because, yep. as you know, there's a whole world of people out there will, mm-hmm. that will, what I say, kind of try to sabotage your best intentions of staying well and mm-hmm. staying driven and staying on purpose and yeah. doing all the things, yeah. right? 
I do all the things. So I'm going to read a quote from the book. So I asked her what the curves, what does the curve symbolize? And yep. you had said life through all of its twists and, twists and turns, the times when everything went crooked and I had to straighten it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what were some of it those is. curves? Can you describe? Oh my like, God. Well, the, the scoliosis was the first one. So right. that, that was the, the big one. But it was mm -hmm. kind of strange because looking back and realizing, well, that was just the first curve because mm -hmm. then I was a nurse for a short period of time because there was this whole, I really believe it had something to do with being a patient in the healthcare system and just feeling like a number, feeling like a wrist bracelet for so many years. Mm -hmm. And I feel like just because I am a very like independent and in control person, mm -hmm. I think going into nursing was my, my way of like taking back control of that experience where I felt like a number, like just a body for so many years. Mm -hmm. And quickly realized as a nurse, this is not my path. <laughs> So the first yeah. curve was, you know, moving out to Hollywood and becoming a writer and like, that's just, you know, just going in the opposite direction of, you know, traditional medicine, you know, it, it, you know, just like that whole traditional healthcare path. So I'd been a writer my whole life. It was just interesting. There was, you know, scoliosis took me on this journey of like, how am I going to be a writer for a living? I know I'll be a nurse. And everybody that knew me was like, you a nurse? <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah. So there are all kinds of curves that happen in Hollywood and being an entrepreneur, anybody that's ever started a business knows there's just a million mm -hmm. curves that every day. <laughs> yeah, like yesterday. Curves, yeah. Curves. The day before that. Yeah, so the book really takes you through all the curves with the message of how to find power in the life curves of your life. And I've been, I get like the most amazing fan mail, you know, mm -hmm. from people that are just, you know, saying this inspired me to, you know, handle something in my life that I haven't been, been handling very well. And from scoliosis patients, from everybody, it's been pretty cool. Right, and yeah. of course I read it through the lens of healthcare, you know, because yeah. a lot of the twists and turns that our patients in our audience would recognize oftentimes are those of health. So that's mm -hmm. why I wondered, like, yeah. if you saw a parallel between, like, the scoliosis and the nursing career and the storytelling. Everything seemed like just a giant curve, and you think, like, after a while you, you learn how to, like, surf them better and manage the, the curves better. Yeah. But, I mean, there's so many different ones because, I mean, the first one was a health one and then there were career ones and there were financial ones being an entrepreneur and there were, you know, there were additional, you know, health ones when I, in the last few years, you know, pulled my health together after going on a journey of, see, just being an entrepreneur focused on, you know, trying to save my business and during a bad time, that sent my health and my mindset into a bad place. So, yeah. so there was a curve around that that resulted in circus. <laughs> I know. Well, talk about, it's yeah. incredible yeah. too because... Having survived surgery and that degree, 116 degrees of curvature and spinal surgery and paralysis, and now she chooses aerial arts. And I'm like, wow, that's like really like testing out the strength of your core and your spine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, really, that just came from, I'm a very, I don't know, like ADD, but I wouldn't even say that. That's just almost just like saying as a cliche. But I'm a person that needs, like, I would just say fun is one of my core values. I need my, my interest and my attention to be held. And sometimes it's hard to do that. Maybe just as because I'm a creative person, and sometimes and I, you know, going to the gym and like the traditional way of, of fitness, it, I get, I would get like on and off the workout roller coaster because it wouldn't hold my attention. And the first time I walked into into circus, I, I just looked around. And I was just like, I will never be bored exercising here. Yeah, that was right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's something that fascinates me because I always talk about. Myself, I'm a very, like, to the point, bullet point, checklist. Like, when I met Christine and we were talking about a book, I'm like, I just don't know if you're going to be able to pull enough words and stories out of me. So, like, do you <laughs> believe that everybody really can be creative or mm -hmm. everybody does could be a storyteller? Yeah, I okay. was talking to a book coaching client this morning about mm -hmm. that where there's, I think, a lot of... Uh, 
misinformation, I would say, around this idea of talent and, you know, writing talent. And I'm sure that's true. Storytelling talent, imagination talent. But I really see it as a skill and the skill, anybody can learn a skill through practice and repetition and mastery and, you know, persistence. And this is why, you know, three of the things that I'm always talking about to my kind of tribe of authors yeah. is anybody can be a successful author. You need three things, writing fundamentals, productivity, and mindset habits. You practice these habits, you can learn how to be a writer, you can learn the skill, you can learn the skill of imagination. It's just committing to it, just like any other skill yeah. on the planet, committing to it and practicing it. So yeah, I believe anybody can learn to be creative, learn to tap into their imagination, learn to be a writer, any of these creative talents. A lot of people are like, it's a talent, it's a gift, I don't have access to it. Mm -mm. Yeah, which I love because you can be coached. Like she's a coach, so yeah. she can coach anybody yes, to I do can. this kind of stuff. But something that I've found is kind of like it's healing too right because mm -hmm. being me and there's got to be other listeners please like put in the comments that you experience the same but you know type a spaghetti brain multitasking <laughs> workaholic fools like myself <laughs> that it's not always easy to come up with a story like i'm fascinated by storytellers because i love reading i've always been mm -hmm. an avid reader however like Somebody, for example, will come up with a story, like they go to the grocery store and they come up with this whole, like, like chapters and chapters worth of detail. And I'm like, okay, man, like, I'm in and out. I got my list. I wrote it in order of the store. I'm like, <laughs> got my head down. I yeah. get my stuff, get in, pick the shortest line, get out. And so I'm missing life, really, you know? I shop like you, though. I don't think, yeah, my great stories are not coming from the grocery store. <laughs> I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, though. I, I mean, my if you were talking about like yeah, mundane things that inspire me, people watching for sure. Yeah. Just like okay. you know, park benches and coffee shops, and you know, I'm like totally obsessed with dialogue. I do a lot of fiction writing, so and my best dialogue is just going out and listening to people talking and just eat like constantly. If you know any writers, they're always eavesdropping on you. Just so you know. Okay. And well, and we're getting, and it's not like we're gonna say, oh, let me take that exact conversation from Starbucks and put it in a book. My game is to figure out the subtext of, like, what, what do they really want to say to each other right now? Yeah. Yeah. I've done that. Haven't you ever done that? Like, try yeah. to figure out, like, okay, like, say you're in a restaurant, you're like, I'm going to try to figure out if that's their first date or if they mm -hmm. know each other or yeah. if they're, like, business colleagues. So that's the imagination, totally. right? Then the writer, you know, puts it in a scene in a book. Yeah. Well, the real intention behind the scene. And yeah. then they twist it around and then they give the people backstories and that's the whole thing. Yeah, probably make it a lot more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but I just find as I'm going through the process, it is forcing me to kind of look for stories. And in doing that, I kind of do have to slow down and take things in and, mm -hmm. you know, be aware and observe. And yeah. I don't know. It's kind of like, it's. I think if we put it in the context of photography, it would be more obvious, mm -hmm. right? Because... You literally have to like stop and take in the scenes and see the yeah. beauty and like document it. And you're doing the same we're with storytelling. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, they're doing it through a lens. Yeah, we're doing it in our brains. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. Yeah. Okay. So we do have a lot of nurses. So I'm gonna go back to mm -hmm. your nursing yeah. stint for a, half, yeah. for a short bit. We do have a lot of nurses that come in, and I always think awesome. it's interesting because I think the nurses are very much open to alternative medicine and yeah. natural healing, yes. whereas maybe the doctors aren't so much likely to come in. Um, I always thought it was because nurses, you work directly, like, firsthand with the patients and kind of, like, just 
wouldn't want to become the patients. Like mm -hmm. you see the end result of waiting for traditional medicine. Yeah. So has that at all shaped how you now take care of your body or how you choose some of the more alternative lifestyle natural yeah. medicine stuff? Nursing has. And I wouldn't say, I mean, it was from the care experience, but I was very blessed to go to an exceptional nursing school at the University of Rhode Island where the dean of nursing, she, there was a huge emphasis on, and this was back in let me date myself, the early to mid-90s, there was, even back then, there was a huge emphasis on holistic and homeopathic, and that was a huge part of our education. Aww. So imagine how disappointed I was going out and working on the floor, you know, med surge and everything, and just, none of those things are happening yet. <laughs> you just have your schedule, and you push the little med card around. Yeah, no, just, yeah. Spirit. Yeah, cut them up, give them the bike and whatever stuff, but I learned the good things. Hi. Yeah. So I'm going to read another quote, because I really yeah. love this. So you said, for so many years, I have been trying to patch up the junky old car that was my life, just trying to get a few more miles out of it, versus, and then she said, Christine's no longer going to do that. She's going to go go out and get a shiny new car. Yeah. So do you want to explain that a little bit? Yeah, that was that was during like my, the, my dark entrepreneurial years when I was trying <laughs> to patch up, like the, I had a big team that wasn't working. I had, you know, the financials weren't working. Like nothing really was working. And of course, nothing was working in my business. My business was my life. So nothing was working for me health-wise either. So everything was just falling apart. And I was just, you know, throwing Band-Aids over, you know, credit card bills and this or whatever. And maybe I'll just go to the gym once in a while, but I can't really commit to that because I don't have time because I'm stressed out about the job and this. And so I was just like constantly, yeah, just throwing Band-Aids and duct tape at everything and then just yeah. realizing this whole thing needs to be changed. Yeah. Like try the Band-Aid thing, it's just, it's not working. Yeah. Right. So I it doesn't usually kind of a few years ago. It does kind of take like a crisis sometimes for people yeah. to start to look at yeah. things differently. So talk about that shift. Yeah, the shift. When, I think it came. I can describe the exact moment when we moved out here, out here to Florida in the summer of 2017, and that gave me some distance to my company and my team. Like a lot of the problems that were happening out west, that just, I was just able, okay, Florida, fresh start, everything like that. So I would say that was the beginning of the shift because it was just you know got rid of the team. You just said, all right, I'm just going to be a solopreneur now. You know, I think there were like negative things around that before. It's like I need a team. I need to be big. I need to be a company. It's just like no, I'm just so much better as myself. So that was the first thing is like shedding the structure that was keeping me kind of like trapped out west and being out here. So that was the first step. And then kind of looking at my body at that point, I was just the heaviest that I'd ever been, I, which I felt miserable because, you know, with scoliosis and with, you know, Harrington rod in your back, if you put all that extra weight, your back hurts all the time. So my back hurt constantly. I think I was taking a leave almost every day. Right. So, I mean, I was in really, really bad shape. Yeah. And I heard about the circus school from, at a business network, we were talking about networking, at a networking dinner. everything happens in networking. Yeah, there was a psychologist, she's amazing, and she was the speaker at this uh, business networking dinner I was at, okay. and I, I'm the person, like, the total avid networker that, like, wants to be friends with all the speakers, so I'm, like, connect with them on social media and everything like that, so I'm, like, looking at her social media, and she's, she's written, like, five books by huge traditional publishers, she's on TV all the time, she's, like, a big deal, so I'm expecting, all right, I'm going to go on her Instagram, and it's going to be, like, speaking and being on TV and signing books because she's all famous and she's so smart. She's got a PhD in psychology and all this thing. So I go to Instagram. It's just like book signing, book signing, trapeze, <laughs> TV, TV appearance, trapeze. And I was like, what, what is, is this? this? So I was like, I need, and I, I reached out to her and I'm like, I need to have coffee with you. And I, I need to understand what I'm looking at right here. Yeah. So over coffee, she told me about it. And here I am again. Like, I mean, I, the, the only exercise I was doing was like casual walks on the beach and calling that exercise. Just obviously not looking in the mirror and realizing I have no background in dance or gymnastics or even moving my body for the last few years and just encased in like just unhealthiness. I just went, 
of course I can do circus. And so it just took months of like, basically like circus personal training just to give me the, it took me, I think like two months of circus personal training to get enough strength to even take a class with other people. That's how out of shape She was. showed me a picture too and she's incredible. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. But you talked about that same theme like repeatedly is find something that you love, whether that's the form of exercise or mm -hmm. it's a career and, yeah. you know, stick with it. Yeah, right? practice it. I'm a huge fan of habits. That's like habits is one of my, any, any of my authors that listen to this and watch this will be laughing their heads off because mm -hmm. I am like the total like queen of habits. But yeah, like habits and practice and mastery. And with those three things, mm -hmm. I think anything is attainable. Habits, practice, mastery. Have, and are you in agreement, like I think a lot of the research used to say it takes at least 21 days for something to become a habit, and I feel like now like they're more. saying it's actually like six months. Yeah, it's more. I, I, it was a 21 days, 28 days, and yeah. yeah, I think it takes more. I think just keep doing it until you can't imagine yourself not doing it. That's how, I mean, I don't even, I don't time it. See, that's the thing. If you're sitting there like counting up to 21 days, I guess it's a habit now. No, it's a habit when you can't imagine your day without doing it. That's when it's a habit. Oh, and it might take 20, that's why I'm, a, I'm totally the habits queen. It might take one month, two months. It's just, it's in, something clicks in your brain and you try to go a day without doing the thing and it feels like you like forgot to get dressed that day. Ah. And that's how you know it's a habit. So you just keep doing it until you, yeah. I like that. Until you get to well, that. Well, that's interesting because like in our, in our um, program upstairs, we talk a lot about food. And so our patients do food logs and they ask us like, well, how long am I going to be having to make <laughs> this food log? Or, you know, am I trying to get down to zero carbs? Like how low are we going to go on the carb restriction? Yeah. And I kind of say the same thing. Yeah. We're going to do this as long as it takes where it no longer has power over you. Like yeah. you could take it or leave it and it's not like your whole mind is around it. So that's kind of the negation. Yeah, like until, you, yeah. until you're not thinking, I have to do a food log because you're just eating the way that was the desired outcome in the first place. And you're not even thinking, I have to eat a certain way. I should eat healthy. I have to make a choice between healthy and unhealthy. I have to log this. I would imagine, and just not speaking for sure. your patients, but sure. like I would imagine it's a point where you just eat the way that's the desired outcome without thinking about it. Then it's a habit. Yeah, I like that. So that's really helpful. Because yeah. I tell people all the time, like, I don't crave carbs or desserts. I could take it or leave it. I crave kale and green stuff. And I'm yeah. like, I love okay, so that's my version <laughs> of weird. Like, this is the yeah. Weird Works podcast. So one day you could be weird like me. I love kale. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I love that. And I do it because there's people that just, oh, they're really, they don't like kale. I don't know. There's, it's like... I it's an anti-kale movement. Anti-kale. Maybe it is the anti-kale. They're just like, maybe they think that's too gradient a scale for them. Like, that's not maybe the introductory. So if you're out there and you're thinking like, okay, I'm just spinach. new to my health journey. So spinach, or maybe. you're just thinking about starting to get healthy. That might not be your like entry Yeah, level, maybe start right? with spinach lettuce might be a better yeah. way in. I don't like, know. Don't We're going to have a green conversation yeah, now. Don't start with chia or don't <laughs> yeah. start with like kombucha. Or if you can't oh, pronounce funny. it, it's probably not your entry level, right? Like just get some salads going really funny. to begin with. And then my other, and this this might help your patients because okay. it, helps my, it helps my authors is, uh, first of all, my favorite habits guru is James Clear, and he writes the book Atomic Habits, which is, Atomic Habits is one of the best books I've ever read on habits, and of course, I'm one that reads it a lot, and one of the things he talks about is every time you do something, you know, take an action that goes towards your desired outcome, it's a vote in favor of that habit, so rather than looking like 21 days, 28 days, three months, how long is it going to take for me to eat right, or how long is this going to take, look at it as every time you do a good, 
Yeah. That's a vote in favor of the new habits. So I tell my authors, every time you sit down and work on your book, that is a vote in favor of you becoming a person who writes a book. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, she had told me something. She was being all motivational and with some <laughs> of our early um, connections, and she said, you're already like way past most people who think about one day writing a book yep. like you're already on your you've path. taken a vote you've already voted oh, yes you, you've, you're right. you've created votes in favor of being a person who's going to write a book and each step is cumulative too so yeah it's kind of in the every the thing, votes right? add up the votes add up so every time yeah you eat the kale or you know every time you make yeah. the healthy food choice versus the non-healthy food choice that is a vote in and favor of you being a person who eats healthy right i love that yeah. i like that yeah and then here's the trigger word does it trigger you if i say new normal it doesn't trigger me. I don't know. I don't know what the old normal is. So I, okay. Well, we used to say as a writer, normal. it just confuses me. I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's old normal? I'm very literal too. Yes. It's very difficult. Well, we were doing a presentation on stress, and so I just like let everybody like rant about new normal because that's like all in the media and you yeah. know COVID. This is 2020. If you happen oh, yeah. to be listening to this at a different but time in the world right things. now, and so the but the habit thing is until it becomes your new normal, like mm -hmm. you're just living life. Like okay, yeah. this is we don't eat carbs, we eat meat and veggies, and like occasionally we might have a side dish, but yeah. like for our normal, like this is just how we do. Yeah, it's been. I don't even remember that the last, I'm trying to remember the last time that I had to like force myself to get in the car and go to circus class, which is, I mean, by the way, we're saying circus and it's all fun. We're talking about very, very, very intense exercise yeah. here, like extraordinarily, probably more intense than what most people are used to. But I, yeah, I'm so way past like, oh God, I have to go to circus class. Oh my God. That might've happened maybe the first few months, but it's been a few years now. So I was just trying to remember, like, but you know, the people that are just like, oh, I have to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Find something fun. I'm just saying circus, you know, aerials, but you know, rock climbing. I mean, I'm sure there's like tons, you know, uh, martial arts. There, there's a million ways to be fit. Yeah. So for me, it helps like if you can make the habit, you know, palatable. If you, so it's just mm -hmm. like, you know, if the gym doesn't excite you, you're probably, it's going to be very hard for you to get in the car every day or right. however many days a week you, to go to the gym. But if you can find some exciting way to exercise, it might be easier to build up all those votes a little bit faster. I agree. And also accountability or having a partner sometimes if you're yeah. just a really social person, like you might have to do it in a group setting and one-on-one yeah. -on -one exercise might not be for you. Right? Oh yeah. Some of my best friends now are, I mean, we just, we have a total mm -hmm. tribe. We're like a family. Yeah. I it's amazing. It. Circus tribe. I'm going to meet these circus tribe yes, people sometime. <laughs> Okay, so I was once at a networking event. I've been, we're both like avid networkers, yeah. so we laugh about that. But somebody caught me off guard and they said, if there's just one thing that you could tell people to do to be healthy, and I was like, one thing? Like, <laughs> seriously? So now I just make everybody awkward and I ask them. So your question is, and you might have already answered it, I don't know, maybe you'll have a way to write answer. a book. Yeah, what is one <laughs> thing that um, all aspiring writers should do if you could just say one. oh this is easy actually read and okay. and I, i'll take it a step further read fiction yeah and this is a lot of the business our business networking tribes i get a lot of flack for this okay. because it's great i mean here's the thing about reading nonfiction. you know business and personal development and you know the self-help books and everything like that sure. those are great those build your brain those build skills and you know they make you you know smarter in your vocation everything like right. that but if you're really looking to build yourself as a writer, as an author, fiction. Fiction mm -hmm. is what builds language. Interesting. Yes. I like both. 
Yeah, good. I have to, like, I like to read before I go to bed, but it can't be, like, a self-help or DIY, like, where I'm yeah. starting to make a to-do list. So this is important for you people with insomnia, because I know you're out there, and that's, like, in the top ten things that people yeah. come in with sleep issues. Don't read something that makes you start thinking about your business or no. work, or you have to go get your, you know, task list out and stuff, but... I do yeah. like to read fiction more, like, in the evenings, yeah. just to kind of, like, let my mind, like, fiction go free flow. Yeah, fiction leads to better dreams, too. But yeah. but fiction really, yeah, I mean, that, that's my number one advice for aspiring authors, is immerse yourself in the beauty and craft of language. Mm -hmm. And the best starting point for that is fiction, because that's what fiction is. That's what novelists do. They are, I mean, just fiction writing is a giant celebration in, the, in just, like, the art and craft of language. Yeah, I like that you put it that way. Well, and didn't you also say, like, find the storytellers that you admire, like somebody oh, that yeah. you just love, like, reading. Yeah. 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 So and there's you'll figure it a out. lot like, of advice. But start with just reading great fiction. So the, all those classics that you, like, remember kind of sort of reading in high school, and you don't go back to those. It is interesting, because <laughs> as you read it now as an adult with more life experiences, you suddenly mm -hmm. read it in a whole different light or different aspects of the same story. Yes. Like, come out to you where you're like, was that always in that book before? Yeah, to right? read to read classics, like, yeah, with the benefit of, you know, adulthood and having gone through experiences, life curves, yeah. and emotional intelligence and all these other things we have. Yeah, go back and read, you know, F. Scott Fitzgerald and Hemingway and all that, and it's a completely different experience. And again, yeah. if you are aspiring to be an author, you are immersing yourself in language, which is the most important part. I love it. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm going to shift gears. I'm going to give hey. you another curve. Cool. This is easy. <laughs> I this have is fun. so easy, so I, I can just fun, go all over the place because <laughs> the name I've... of her book is The Power of the Curve. I'll talk about anything. You. <laughs> so we talked about the aerial arts, and I was laughing because I'm like, wow, of all the things of like trying to bend and twist your spine to be flexible, <laughs> wow. like you really are pushing your spine to the limits. But what I, I was about curious that. about was that do you ever hear the old Christine or some of the old language about like not trusting your body to perform or, you know, about pain coming back or maybe being fearful that your body's like limitations won't allow you to do it? Does any of that old language ever come back to you? It's more like I have to be careful to make sure I don't accidentally hurt myself because I'm so excited about like, it's, I was just thinking okay. about, I had class earlier today. I mean, it's circus every day. <laughs> I had a class earlier today, and they were teaching a move, and they were, it's more just like, you know, yeah, I don't have, like, the things you're talking about, like, I, I don't hear any of that, but it's more like the limitations of, am I not able to do this thing because of something with my body or something with my mind? So I'm constantly making the distinction, like, there was a move today where, because with scoliosis, you, you know this, your hips are out of whack, and yeah. a lot of, you know, hardware, you know, titanium hardware there in the rod, so there was something today that, you know, a little bit of hips, but not really, so... For me, it's just, and, and when you're saying bendy and twisty, that's not what I do in surf. Like, there's only so much you can bend and twist you with a Harrington rod. Yeah. But I use my advantage. I, you know, people that are watching the YouTube see that I have very long legs, so I can really do things there. Um, uh -huh. so I do like the back bendy things. See, that's the thing why circus is so great. Anybody can do it because there's for all body types. But, you know, it goes back to the, you know, making the distinction when we're learning a new move where I'm analyzing it and I'm just like, number one, is this safe for my back? And number two, if I'm having trouble getting into it, you know, is how is this related to the scoliosis or is this a mindset thing that I can't get into it so there's there's a total like self-analysis process but 
I say that I err on the side of caution more than like jumping in blindly to something because I, I mean, look at what just to be as a responsible person, everything I went through with that surgery, I don't want to put myself in a dangerous thing. So I've never had to like be restrained from doing something crazy. I'm more of a just like, let me analyze it from 10 angles. And if something is kind of like questionable to me where I'm just like, I don't know if it's going to be safe for me, I'll let other people like other students do it. And then I'll like basically quiz them and be like, so how did that feel on your back? <laughs> like, right. And so I, I do, I'm like really, really thorough. And the teachers are just amazing because they, they, they understand my back. Sometimes some of them understand my back better than I do. So they, they allow me to do all that. And they're just very supportive of, of everything. They're like, yeah, nobody ever has to do anything that they're not comfortable doing. So I go through this whole like scoliosis, Harrington Rod self-assessment for every new move. <laughs> but that's fine. Yeah. And the reason I asked you, I think that it's real easy for people to fall into victim mode. Obviously, yeah. by the time people come to somebody like me, they've probably been everywhere else mm -hmm. oftentimes, like, you know, multiple specialists. Yeah. And they come often with low to no hope. Mm -hmm. And they really have identified with whatever story they've been told. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes is hard. Like, I might believe in the physical ability for their body to heal, mm -hmm. or yeah. I might have a lot of faith in the fact of diet and nutrition could absolutely turn their story around for them. But if they're so locked into the limiting belief of that victim mode or mm -hmm. believing sometimes the very words that somebody else put on them, right? They're not even their own words, but it's something that yep. somebody, the story that somebody else told them now becomes their story. So what would you say to people? Because that would be a large amount of our audience. Either they are in that right now and haven't been able to bust out of it or don't even identify the fact that they are in that, that it's yeah. not their story, or they're trying to work through it. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking of so many things as you're saying this. Yeah. Well, for the first thought I had is I just now realized in this moment what a blessing it has been for me to have my scoliosis story combined with being a book ghostwriter. And as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, why do I not have the negative stories and all the things yeah. that you're talking about? I'm like, oh, because I've ghostwritten so many self-help books. I have all the tech. I have all the yeah. information. And like what you're talking about, like what you'd say to someone in that situation, I have the best, most genius authors. And one of my authors named Russell Redenbaugh, his book is Shift the Narrative. And one of my favorite Russell quotes is when he's just like, when you get to that, when you have the negative, you know, story that's playing in your head, say, who said that? And what if it wasn't true? Oh, I read that in your book. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Russell really is amazing. And I think it was a third question, God, this is working where it's just, yeah, like, like but it basically, the basic thing was like, yeah, who said that? And what if it weren't true, what would you do? Yeah. So that's just an example of how much incredible knowledge I have just through my job helping people write right. books. And I feel, and I'm totally understanding, just like, I mean, this is a totally fresh realization that's happening right that's on your cool. show right now. Yay, <laughs> I'm realizing like, wow, what a blessing that is to have paired this career with my scoliosis slash body image story, because I think that just any, you know, body image issues, any like negative, you know, mindset stories or whatever, I think just this career has, you know, perfectly taken care of that. Just, That's yeah. what I said, like, because I wrote yeah. this down too. I'm like, now you help people write their own story. Yeah. And I learned so much. I mean, I, it's amazing. Like my, my, my clients are just the most amazing people. I have an education that goes anywhere from neuropsychology to <laughs> health to, to mindset to, I mean, it, it just, it goes the range of all topics in the world. So I think, yeah, the blessing of having worked with so many authors on personal development books has really taught me all this information about, you know, the idea of like having a story and having a narrative and what if it's not serving you and getting what you want in life, how to shift that narrative and all that. It's just, I, I've learned it all along the way. I think it's 
incredible. I know I thought that would be really interesting. Yeah. And it's the same with us. Like, yeah. we meet all these incredible and crazy people. Like, mm -hmm. they might come in with some kind of health crisis. But once you turn them around, you really get to see the real them start to emerge. Yeah. Like, there's a whole different tone and demeanor. And, like, I guess in a way, we help people rewrite their stories. Yes, and you story do. Absolutely. Well. You know what I mean? That's great. But I think that's important because I've read a lot of that self-help and a lot of, you know, like, just how to have a business and mindset type stuff. We've had a ton of people on the podcast already about mindset. Yeah. And I think what everybody agrees on, regardless of where they came from, is like it all starts with a thought, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you can't belief, have the yeah. thought first, yeah. how are you going to take the steps to yeah. see it through, yeah. right? And that's why I love the parallel of the story. Like, what stories are you telling, you, you know, yourself about yourself? Mm -hmm. And, you, you know, are you the hero? And, again, I'm quoting Russell with this. Are you the hero or the victim of your story? And just a little quick side, side note on Russell. He's an extraordinary person, too. He's someone at the age of 17 that, in a rocketry accident in his backyard, lost his eyesight and most of his fingers at 17 years old. Mm -hmm. This was in the 1960s where they're like, you're blind and disabled. You're out of the game of life. Good luck with that. He went on yes. to do extraordinary things, including at the age of 50, he took up jujitsu mm -hmm. and became a, a three-time world champion against younger-sighted, fully-fingered opponents. So okay. he's a person that shifted his nar narrative where everybody was telling him, you're a victim now, you're a casualty of life. And he said, I don't think so. And he became a hero of his life. So he was perfectly qualified, obviously, to write that book. Yeah. And I love it. And that's a huge purpose of this whole mm -hmm. podcast and the book to come also. Yeah. It's just to put examples of hope and overcoming yeah. in front of other people. Because people who are struggling, sometimes the very best thing you can do is just know that that doesn't have to be the yeah. end of your story, no. right? You could... It doesn't not only does it not have to be the end, you can completely scrap the draft of the story that you've been telling yourself. Yeah burn it yeah. and start a new draft of a whole new story that you, that you like better. It's, there's no rules around this. So if you do think of your life as a story, as, as a narrative, why do you have to, like if you're living one that you don't like, you don't need to even, even if you're just like, well, the, like with my story, you're talking about like we did the car analogy. Yeah. But my story, I don't even think I rewrote it. I think I lit it on fire because there was <laughs> like, by the time I started, I turned my life around a few years ago. I really did, literally. There was, I don't think there was anything. This is how, like, rock, I don't, rock bottom, whatever the cliche is. I don't think there was anything that was working about my life. So not only did I was just like, re I rewrite my story. No, I'm going to light it on fire, take a fresh sheet of paper, put it in the typewriter, and start from scratch. Yeah. yeah. And really, people could do that at any point. Anybody can do that. That's something she told me in my notes. I just was reading some of the chapter notes before we met today for the podcast, and she said, stories are always evolving. Yeah. And that could be your life as well. You could just write a new one. Like, if you don't like the story you're in, this is not a book that you're stuck in, like some like weird fantasy sci-fi story where you're stuck in a book. Yeah. You're not stuck. Just get rid of it. So write a new one. And people might think that sounds like fantasy, right? But... Yeah. I mean, this, I could have a whole conversation about hero airplanes. I think, we're, you know, we're, we're just like creating our own realities anyway, so why don't you create one you like? I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, that's super encouraging. Yeah. Okay, so the last question that I'm going to have for you, because this is the Weird Works podcast, <laughs> what is your version of weird? Is there <laughs> something? Is, uh, hanging upside down and pretending I'm a Cirque du Soleil aerialist with a, with a Harrington rod in my back at 47 years old with no background in this at all? I don't know. Is that a little weird? I think that's perfectly normal to yeah. want to play circus with, you know, people that are 20 years younger than me and hang uh -huh. upside down and uh -huh. be silly. And I mean, I've done six aerial performances to date. I did one a couple weeks ago. I mean, I think it's perfectly normal to 
play circus. Right. And, and I always joke, like, if this is my midlife crisis, you know, I'm going to be 48 in March. Like, if this is my midlife crisis, I picked, like, the most fun, healthy, awesome, like, how many midlife crises can create, like, ab muscles like this? That's just yeah. what I want to know. <laughs> if you're going to have a midlife crisis, make it build abs. <laughs> yeah. I would have a lot of people that would agree with that. Like, I could do, I'm a multitasker, so like, you're like, I could be doing and, and this. Oh, effort, and another yeah, thing at the same time, shoulders amazing. Here. Yeah. And that's the point of weird work. Like, we would just encourage you in the spirit of writing a new story or trying to be, you know, tap into that creative um, nature that maybe doesn't come secondhand to you, whatnot, mm -hmm. is at first the unknown might seem weird. If it's something that you're just not versed in, it's not your day-to-day, -day, maybe you're not completely educated in it, of course the unknown seems weird. But when we attach weird works to it, it just means that that can become your new normal when you start to experience it on the regular, like Christine was saying, you rewrite it and do it until it becomes a habit, but you see the outcome of it. And suddenly what we find is the weirdness fades away as yep. you find that being able to tap into a different mindset starts to work for you. Yeah, I don't, I'm just going through all my weird stuff. Because, I mean, I, you know, was a, I did acting and screenwriting and directing of indie films in L.A. I, it's just, like, I don't know if I've ever, I'm trying to remember, like, the moment before all these moments of, like, going into something that people would consider weird. Yeah. I don't think I considered any of this stuff weird, including circus. That's what's weird. That's what's weird. This is what's the number one weird thing about me is I don't think weird things are weird. I love it. <laughs> well, that's fine. <laughs> That's totally fine. Well, usually our weirdness is somebody else is only weird to them because it's yeah. not there. I think my life is completely normal. I make up stories and hang upside down and play circus. I don't think anything's weird about that. Yeah. Well, I can totally <laughs> admire that because coming from Sunny, who's a workaholic, like sometimes we need somebody like Christine in our lives just to remind us to have a little bit of fun and to be creative and to get out of our, you know, whatever is holding us back and kind of just... Yeah. Rewrite, rewrite the script. Yes. So I think that's a perfect place to end. Awesome. So tell our um, listeners, what's next for you? Where can they find you? We'll definitely put, oh you know, all your links and everything in the comments and the show notes. It's so the question what's next is so interesting because my memoir has been the thing that's been in the center of my radar for so long and I yeah. have to keep reminding myself that I published it. So yeah. Power, powerofthecurve.com, that's where you can get information about my memoir, not just for people with scoliosis, but it's been apparently relatable to anybody that's gone through, I, I get like the best fan mail, my fan mail is like long life stories from people saying like, I have to share something because of what you wrote on page 67, and <laughs> like that, it's yeah. really cool. Um, what's next for me is a great question, I mean I have a daily po uh, podcast for authors, so if there any, is yeah. anybody out there who is thinking about writing a book, even if you actually haven't started writing it. It's called Your Daily Writing Habit, mm -hmm. and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. I love it. Yeah. Well, thanks. This has been so fun. Yeah, I think so, I too. enjoyed it, and we were signing off for now. This is Dr. Christie, and good health naturally. Until next time, bye.